welcome to the podcast. This is episode 19 of our Talking Disney podcast that we do. And so we are talking about one of the Disney classics as they go by. And we are talking about Meet the Robinsons. The random number generator was pretty kind to us. And this is a really interesting movie uh, that I personally think is a little bit underrated. And it's a really interesting movie in the history of Disney to talk about. So we're going to be going through all of that as well as talking about the actual plot and everything. And so I'm really looking forward to the discussion. I'm Rachel and Stanford's here. Hi. Yes. So this is so much fun to get to talk about Meet the Robinsons. Oh, I agree. I'm so happy to be here, Rachel. Thanks again for, for the invite. And I, this is such an interesting movie. I've really been looking forward to our discussion uh about this and the number generator was kind to us <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so did you go to see meet the robinsons in the theater i did and mm-hmm. and and i also followed the production because you know they had they had announced it and then put out some some uh concept art about it and and uh, you know and then it got delayed in its release which i know we'll be talking about and, and and different things but yes i did see it in the theater yeah that's really cool i actually didn't because i was kind of off of the disney train at this time i had gotten really into pixar at the time and yeah. had seen all of theirs but at the time i had just been disappointed by a ton uh there's a lot that now oh, i've come to see yeah i've come to see value in a bunch of them now uh, but at the time, I didn't like Lilo and Stitch. It's definitely grown on me a lot. Uh, and I didn't like Atlantis, which is also one that's grown on me. So I didn't get back on the Disney train until I saw Tangled. Oh, yeah. Um, 2010. Blew me away because I was very disappointed by Princess and the Frog. Yes, exactly. It's another one that's grown on me. I still have issues, but uh, it's... Uh, it was very disappointing to me. And so I didn't even see this. This looks at the time to me, it just looked like copycat Pixar. And I, I wasn't interested in seeing it, but that must've been pretty cool to see it in 3d. I really enjoyed seeing it in 3d. I had, I remember getting a bit of a headache in it because, you know, some of the 3d renders weren't necessarily as, as perfect at the time, uh-huh. but, but uh, still regardless, it was a, cool experience to see it in 3d and it was really i think there's much to like about this film i think it's yeah. imperfect but, yeah. but but there's much to like and and uh uh i remember overall you know enjoying the experience yeah i mean this movie has huge heart which i think had been missing in a bunch of of these movies uh, in movies like home on the range and and uh, chicken little like we talked about and uh so and like i said they're there was a lot going on with the studio that kind of is the reason yeah. why they started to get their heart back. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, the only thing I remember about it when it came out was that I worked with a lady whose last name was Robinson and she was so excited. about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, yeah. She saw it like three times. She was very excited <laughs> about the Robinsons. <laughs> so, named after her family, right? Yes. <laughs> she was really fun uh but yeah it's based on a book called a day with wilbur robinson by william joyce yes and have you seen that book rachel have you i uh, haven't i haven't seen that book Uh, yeah i own the book and it is because i I bought it 
back before the movie came out because I knew oh. that it was based on it. And I thought this would be fun to, you know, to have this book because it's 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 a children's book. So you know, it wasn't terribly expensive, and it's just sure. you know, just and William Joyce. You know, I mean, yeah. what's not to like about about William Joyce art? But it came out in 1990. You know, uh-huh. I didn't buy the book probably till like 2006 or you know. Okay. So. Yeah. But, um, it's it's so fun. It's it's so clever. There's really not a plot. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the two boys, you know, Wilbur and um, Lewis, um, which and I'm, not, and I'm not sure his name was Lewis in the book, but I can't, but don't quote me on that because I can't remember uh-huh. exactly. But um, they're looking for Grandfather Robertson's missing false teeth. Oh. Kind of encounter all these crazy things. And a lot of them, of course, are get incorporated into the film. You know, so the, the, the visuals and the, the, the crazy characters. But it's, it's delightful. It's really delightful. And it is. It's just this. It's just it's kind of just takes place in a, during a day, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah. Well, William Joyce, he is an Academy Award uh, winning writer. He had an Oscar for the short, The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris. Yes. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Morris Lessmore is the name. So that's fun. Well, uh, you and I, you know, with our uh, the rise of the guardians. Yeah. So we've this is our second yeah. podcast that we've done about William uh, William Joyce. You know, book turned into a to a movie. Yeah. So that's really cool. And uh, so what happened is this was right when there was transition going on at Disney, and uh, they were really struggling. Kind of the era of Michael Eisner. And that team. Those last years with Michael Eisner (laughs) were ugly. Yeah. And it was all about kind of uh, looking at marketing and looking at, as opposed to sort of creative vision. And, you know, you look at something like uh, Brother Bear, which is a movie I do not care for. Uh, And the whole thing was to make, you know, to make teddy bears and to be able to, you know, sell bears and stuff like that. And, so it just wasn't the creative uh, environment. And so the team at Pixar, which has had this brain trust, uh, they uh, came over and started to take to be the president and uh, to lead at Walt Disney Animation Studios. And so I have this book, Creativity Incorporated, by Ed Catmull. He was the president of Pixar Animation and Disney Animation, uh, along with... Uh, John Lasseter, who of course has had his scandals, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, this was what he said when they first got to the studio. He said, my first day in Burbank, I arrived at Disney animation before eight in the morning. I wanted to walk around the halls before anyone else got there just to get the lay of the land. I arranged to meet Disney's facility manager, Chris Hilber for a tour. We started in the basement and the first thing I noticed was the strange lack of personal items on employees' desks. At Pixar, people's work areas are virtual shrines to individuality, decorated, adorned, modified in ways that express the quirks and passions of the person who occupies that space. But here, the desks were sterile, cookie cutter, utterly without personality. When I first mentioned this to Chris, he muttered something evasive and kept moving. It was so stark that I brought it up a few minutes later and again, he demurred. As we headed up the stairs to the heart of the building, I turned and asked Chris directly why it was that people in such a creative environment didn't personalize any part of their work areas. 
Was there a policy against it? The place looked, I said, as if no one spent any time there. At this point, Chris stopped and faced me. In anticipation of my arrival, he confided everybody had been told to clean off their desks in order to make a good first impression. So that, I think, is really interesting. And then he talks wow. about, yeah, then he continues to just talk about the depression and just lack of any kind of creativity and, and, and even a fear of creativity that they had. And uh, they said when they were doing some of the storyboards for or some of the, the they tried to do this brain trust uh, and implement it in the work of this movie. Uh, he says, the next day, several Pixar directors, writers, and editors accompanied the Disney crew back down to Burbank to observe a story trust meeting on a film the works ca there called Meet the Robinsons. Here, too, we insisted the Pixar's team observe quietly, saying nothing. I thought I noticed a bit more ease in the room that day, as if Disney people were cautiously feeling for the limits of their new freedom. And the producer of the film later told me it was the most constructive note session she had ever seen at Disney. Still, both John and I sensed that while everyone embraced the idea of an organized calendar on an intellectual level and could begin to approximate it when instructed, it would be a while before it came naturally. And then they end up, they're talking and... They talk about how they were afraid to give notes and afraid uh, to give feedback because he says, none of the people who were giving these notes had ever made a film before. And the three sets of notes often conflicted with one another, creating a sort of schizophrenic quality to the feedback. Uh, this concept completely countered to what we believed and practiced at Pixar. And then, you know, he says that people were basically afraid to give feedback because I can say that today, without vigilant coaching, pulling people aside who didn't speak their minds in a particular meeting, say, or encouraging those who seem eternally hesitant to jump into the fray, our progress could have easily stalled. Telling the truth isn't easy. But I can say that today, Disney Story Trust is made up of individuals who understand not only that they must do the difficult work of leveling with one another, but how to do it better. So that's, and he says, we had to learn that we weren't attacking the person, we were attacking the project. Only then could we create a crucible that boils away everything that's not working and it leaves the strongest framework. So anyway, that's reading a lot, but I don't know, I just thought that was so interesting to talk about sort of the space that they were at at that time where they were just scared to give feedback scared to be creative yeah, and it uh, was a sort of a stark environment without that creativity yeah isn't that so interesting i'm so glad you read that because i love that book that's a terrific mm -hmm. book and highly recommend it to anybody who is really interested in disney and in pixar <clears throat> it really gives you some up close and personal insights don't you think about mm -hmm. about those working environments but yeah it is it's so it's so fascinating because Clearly, things were broken at Disney Animation because you just look at the films. Yeah, you know, I mean, as you said, there's there are definitely things to like in, the, in some in, in, in these in some of these films, with the exception, you know, maybe a Brother Bear. <laughs> you know, or, yeah, but but um, but um, still though, I mean, you know, the animation's always gorgeous, and there there's there's some nice elements, but but. Another thing that I had heard too, Rachel, and, and let me know if, I, if I'm on track, but anybody could give, could give notes. And the animators and the directors there at the animation studios were really kind of required to fall through of I mean, like some dude from marketing 
you know, or some like people from the business side that, Mm -hmm. that that, like didn't know anything about storytelling or anything about, you know, making a movie. Well, that's why you're saying that like the notes that they did get were basically schizophrenic. Yeah. In the field all over the place. And I mean, you you cannot, like, even if you don't particularly care for this film, I defy anyone to not see the fact that there was a major change in between chicken little and this chicken oh, little absolutely is, yeah, chicken little is a film that is mean-spirited in my opinion and it is just kind of dark and sad and it's just not it has its attempts at humor and different things like that but it's and this is just way more hopeful and yeah. way more yeah the <laughs> just the the tone of it's so different and i think too chicken little is the perfect example of again these movies made by committee yeah not by a filmmaker with a vision but by a committee and and everybody had to give you know they had to follow these notes from anybody and and uh it just spelled trouble you know and so i mean there's literally three different stories in chicken little there's the baseball yeah. playing story, sports movie. There's the alien movie. And then yeah. there's sort of the bully yeah, the- kid at school kind of and, and with his dad kind of story. Yeah. And uh, so in this, at least it is a little cluttered. It's a little overwhelming at times, uh, but maybe even a lot cluttered. <laughs> but at least it definitely, I think, has that hope. It has that optimism. Yeah. And it, uh, it has a, a clear, coherent uh, you know, start and end. Yeah, I totally agree. One other thing yeah. about the production, Rachel, and again, correct me if I if, if I'm wrong here, but what I understand, what I remember, was that I think Me the Robins was supposed to come out like Thanksgiving 2006, mm-hmm. and uh, Ed Cavill and John Lasseter had had got the release date pushed out a few months, so it came out like the summer or even the spring of 2007. And he encouraged them to make some changes, you know, and allowed them to. And what he was really pushing the director on too was just to, you know, make this film have heart, you know, put your heart into it. And I had heard that the director, I know we'll get to some of these points, but the director, Mm -hmm. Steven Anderson, um, he's adopted. Oh. And, And so some of that adoption element was some of the stuff that really got added or enhanced in the movie based on, you know, John Laster giving him the green light to make this film a bit more of a personal and emotional statement than what they had originally planned on, you know, as the film was in production. So I always admired that, 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 that Lasseter and Cavill gave the team a chance to, add some stuff to it you know to try to try to make it even an even better movie and i think i think it helps it yeah that you're absolutely right so it was going to come out in 2006 and then lassiter told anderson that he particularly wanted the villain to be scarier and uh to you know make it more action-packed uh and uh so that's when they added the dinosaur uh sequences and they made the bowler hat man uh, a lot scarier, scarier, I guess. Yeah, from what I read. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty unusual for them to delay. It's not that often. Yeah, uh, yeah but uh, a lot. 
they did. And uh, so well, that's, that's pretty cool. And so it starts out the movie, it starts out with a baby being dropped off at the orphanage. The, and again, this whole movie, I think is very, is very much sort of a metaphor of the, of the state of Pixar and in Disney, Disney animation at that time. And they were kind of being dropped off metaphorically. We haven't had a hit. Uh, number one they hadn't had a number one movie in 16 years yeah yeah they so, were really they were really time. in bad shape yeah that's a long a long time and you find out that he becomes this kid named lewis and uh he's spiky blonde hair yeah spiky blonde hair and he is this inventor and he has a roommate named goob yeah goob <laughs> Those and, kids are cute. I think yeah. the animation, the you know, this character design of those kids is so cute. Yeah, and so he he's been interviewed by all these different uh, adoptive families, these couples, and uh, they uh, they oh, something always goes wrong. And this particular one, he at the beginning he has this peanut butter and jelly machine, a sandwich machine, and uh, he ends up spraying peanut. Uh, peanut butter all over them and the, has a allergic reaction so he's pretty pretty sad and he tells the uh, caregiver at the orphanage she says my own mother didn't w- even want me and uh, so it's pretty it's a pretty sad sad start you know yeah. to our Disney film yeah yeah and I, I feel like you feel immediately for for Lewis I think he's I very appealing and I think he's yeah. instantly sympathetic um I really love that, you know, after the, after that initial orphanage scene and you, you know, you cut to how old are, do you think they are, Rachel? Are they like 10 years old or something? I think some, well, no, cause he says, remember he says next year I'll be 13. Oh and yeah, then, that's right. You so never 12. get adopted if you're a teenager. He's, he's so yeah, he's 12. So that one scene where he, Lewis is just, and, you know, the camera is static and Lewis is working on, on, on his invention and then mm-hmm. Goob is just sitting there talking about his life and baseball and whatnot. I think it's the most interesting scene because you learn so much about these characters as mm-hmm. you know, and their motivations. Um, I thought it was really a, a very clever and well done mm-hmm. way to introduce both of them. So he decides that he's going to invent a brain scanner that is going to allow him to go back and, uh, and, use his memory as a baby to remember his mother and try to get an idea of why she did what she did and so he starts inventing this brain scanner and yeah and goob the poor kid he can't sleep because he's sleep deprived because <laughs> will because you know, lewis, lewis keeps working all yeah. night and keeping him up yeah. yeah and one really interesting thing about this movie is that it has a very unusual soundtrack for a Disney film. It does. Uh, it has Rufus Wainwright, Rob Thomas, All American Rejects, Jamie Cullum, uh, is some of the people on the soundtrack. And it just feels different than. And then Danny Elfman wrote the score. Yeah. 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 And, and you don't normally get those kind of uh, soundtracks. Those kind of, those kind of artists on, yeah, mm-hmm. in a Disney film for sure. Well, and, and, and usually a Disney film has a 
uh, I don't know what you call it. And uh, it has a, a complete from one artistic yeah. voice as opposed to a soundtrack with a bunch of different singers. Of and different, stuff. You're right. And, and like these different and kind of, and montages, you know, it's mm-hmm. got uh, these different montages. There's that one near the beginning with, with Rufus Wainwright mm-hmm. and, uh, and they're good. I like. I think I they're. I, I like. I like the music in this movie a lot. I do too. I really noticed that this last time. You also have a really fun eclectic voice cast uh, yes. that uh, includes Harlan Williams, Tom Kenny, uh, Laurie Metcalf, Adam West, Tom Selleck, Angela Bassett. Uh, so a really, really uh, great cast. And- Angela Bassett plays the uh, the woman who runs the orphanage, and I mm-hmm. think. I think she's a really good character. Mildred. Mildred, yeah. She, uh, I mean, I like, I like the character design of her. Just, she just looks like she's a, mo- a mom, you know? Yeah. I mean, she, she's just caring for these kids. And it's, it's a, I mean, the orphanage is, it's bittersweet because it's an orphanage, but you can tell that it's a place of love, you know? And I yeah. think Angela Bassett really gives a nice performance to help demonstrate that. There's not, there's not a one of these, it's not one of these, or it's not, you know, like from Annie or something. Not Miss Hannigan. <laughs> Miss Hannigan is not in, the, is not in this movie. And, uh, and I think, you know, but yeah, cool, really cool vocal cast for sure. And yeah. eclectic. Mm-hmm. And so he ends up taking this brain scanner to the science fair to test out his invention. And it's kind of funny because everybody there is sort of scared of the, <laughs> And what yeah, he's gonna do? Yeah, because like he's blown stuff up in the past, clearly, or does yeah. something that's been pretty destructive. Yeah, yeah. And you meet uh, uh, Lori Metcalf's character, uh, Lucille Crunklehorn, <laughs> in uh, in this uh, scene with with the caffeine patch, right? <laughs> and she's great. I mean, Lori Metcalf's amazing. Oh, she's she's brilliant. She's yeah. so talented in anything she does. Uh, so uh she she's great and uh, of course everything does go wrong he's really discouraged he thinks it's awful and he goes up to the the roof and he ends up meeting a a young kid named wilbur wilbur robinson and (laughs) and so that's when things start to get kind of (laughs) crazy yeah uh, so Wilbur is looking for a man named the Bowler Hat Man, and he has stolen a time machine. Uh, but Wilbur also has a a time machine. Time machine, <laughs> yeah, which is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the design is really cool on both of them. Really, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's and plus, when you know, when I found out this was a time travel movie too, mm-hmm. I was stat- I was ecstatic because I love I love time travel. As a you know, and and uh, so that was a happy development. I thought it was in the story when, when that you know that was made clear. Well, that was so cool. Yeah. So so they were really worried about making the bowler hat man scary enough. How do you think that they succeeded? Do you think he's pretty scary? Or well, you know, he's creepy, but clearly we find out that it's his hat, mm-hmm. and I think the hat it ultimately it goes pretty dark you know with some of that stuff with the hat and so yeah i think that that stuff is scary overall he's creepy but but also really comedic Mm -hmm. 
given his very, you know, he's got these very strong features. His face almost looks like a half moon, you know, and, and uh, um, he's got this really wiry body and he's in this, you know, this wears these kind of funny clothes. He just, he almost looks like, um, in, you know, in Dudley Do Right, who's the bad guy? And then mm-hmm. you remember those Dudley, <laughs> those cartoons? Yeah. <laughs> but, it's true. Um, it does have a feel of, uh, of the Rocky Bullwinkle. Yes. Kind of Natasha. Yeah. And things. Super, uh, super cartoony. Um, but his, but his hat is sinister. Is you know, there's this, yeah. they call him the bowler hat guy, but is that bowler hat is hat has a truly has a mind of its own and it's yeah. it's 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 really the the villain you know i, I mean they, they work together but i think he is pretty scary looking like i think if i was a kid i'd be pretty pretty well, scared his, his teeth and yeah. stuff i mean he, yeah, he's creepy he's creepy but uh did you figure out right away who he was or did oh, that no, surprise I had, you no, i had no idea it surprised yeah. me what about you yeah it, it surprised me yeah, for sure. A big surprise. I didn't see, I didn't see it, it. Was it was a cool reveal? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when when, when they were like, "Oh, that's you know, <laughs> what a good idea," you know, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that makes sense. But so when they get to there's this futuristic city, and I think that whole design, I mean, it 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 feels a little dated because you get that kind of plasticky look of that kind of era of of a yeah, uh, animation. Sure. But I don't know. I still think there's lots of creative stuff in there that's fun. It's fun to bubble travel and all mm-hmm. these uh, you know, different things and inflatable buildings. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's fun. And to me, it just screams of William Joyce, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so that, that part is really fun. And then of course there's the famous Disneyland gag where they show space mountain and they, you know, and, and with the sign today land, uh, you know, this <laughs> mountain from the parks. Uh, I didn't even notice that. Uh, That's fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun little gag. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, Space Mountain, and then one of those—that's one of those spinning uh, rocket rides from from Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I'm with you. I mean, it looks it looks dated, it, but again, it just I also but I also thought too, it's 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 an ode to the creativity of William Joyce is what really what I, what mm-hmm. how I how I viewed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, and so I really enjoyed that and. Uh, the he gets to the the house and uh, Wilbur tells him his hair is a dead giveaway. Makes him put on this <laughs> this, this Carmen skirt. Miranda. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's right. It looked like the Chiquita banana yes. lady. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you meet uh, Wilbur's mother named Franny, which uh, we saw earlier in the movie a little girl named franny who's doing uh experiments or whatever on these frogs then you also have cornelius this is where we kind of meet the yeah. robinsons yes <laughs> so and... the dad of the family is named cornelius in this uh voiced by tom Selleck, and we learn later that that is lewis as an older person uh but at first he's just kind of talked about and uh and then we have uncle art who is voiced by Adam West, which is a lot of fun. Which is so fun <laughs> to have Adam West because you know, Adam West was in Chicken Little too, but had kind of a cameo. But oh, he, you're right, I forgot that. But but yeah, I, I thought that was a f- really an inspired casting choice in this film, and I wish that he had been, was in it more. 
Mm-hmm. So there's the mom, Franny, and then there's Uncle Fritz and Aunt Petunia, yeah. Spike, Dimitri, then <laughs> Uncle Gaston, and Mr. Willerstein, uh, Aunt Billy. Uh, there are so many characters. Yeah, there's all these characters. And, you know, we, we get to meet them and we get to see them. Mm-hmm. But that's really all we get. Yeah. And there's like little, each one has kind of their gag. Yeah. Their own little quirky they thing. do. Yeah. Like one, who's the, which is the woman that has like the art deco building on her head or as a hat, you know? Yeah. There's, there's, I forget. Is that. And there's the guy with the puppet. Is that looks Aunt Petunia? Like, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. The guy with the puppet who almost looks like ed grimley you know with a but with a with a hand puppet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh all these different things and then there's the the really big one who's in the who's in like the wally chair <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, uh, and all the all these different characters but we, we don't even know anything about them and that to me rachel is a, maybe one of the complaints i have because again not mm-hmm. that i wanted to but they i don't like the i don't like the title of this film because I don't think that it's really mm-hmm. maybe you are meeting the Robinsons, and not that I was expecting to, but like here you just see all these people and you've got all these superficial characters that are fun to look at. We know nothing about them, yet it's the title of the film. So I don't know that that yeah. thing never never synced up for me. I mean, it was fun and it was fun this rewatch too. Like, oh, this is so clever. And again, all these all these most of those characters are in the picture book too although you yeah, don't really meet them in the picture book either you know you just get it it's more of meeting the robinsons as its own like entity i i doubt many people would be able to walk out of this even knowing the names of any of the characters i mean i still i watched you taking notes and i still don't know but <laughs> <laughs> right. it's like meeting them as a group but yeah, yeah it's definitely this movie is definitely cluttered it's too messy yeah they they're throwing too much at the wall it's definitely a valid complaint for sure uh but he's just very just loves all of these people yeah, he loves all the so creativity. Much to look at is so much creativity mm-hmm. and and you know this family they welcome failure right yeah yeah you know that from failing you learn keep moving forward yeah and uh so you know they they keep going and they keep going and lewis pretty quickly calls franny uh mom yeah and uh, just becomes attached pretty pretty fast and in in the meantime with all this happening the bowler hat guy takes the time machine and he goes back and he tells little goob he tells him uh let hate simmer don't let it go <laughs> just funny and uh goob uh, fell asleep in the big game he missed the winning catch and everyone hated him from that point onward and it ruined his life so the big reveal of the movie is that goob is the bowler hat man. goob is the bowler hat guy yeah so they show they show in this montage they're gonna show him growing into from the cute little tired boy into you know the the, the bowler hat and uh, lewis also finds out that the big motto of the robinson family is to keep moving forward and this had been something that 
uh, I can't remember if the, the lady at the orphanage, if she said that or if I it was said it earlier, so. but they say it a lot in, uh, in this uh, in the family in, setting. Yeah. In the family setting. And uh, that you, you just keep moving forward with your creativity, with your failures uh, and that they all believe that he can fix the time machine. The, that's the whole reason why uh, Wilbur was, brought him there because they needed him to fix uh to find the bowler hat guy and to fix the uh the brain scanner and the other you know the other things and so but he you know kind of lacks confidence because he just had this big failure uh there's also this droid there uh i mean i guess you called a droid in the world of star wars but, <laughs> but yeah but yeah but you know a robot very robot yeah c3po like in a way because he's gold you know and whatnot but that's that's the voice that's voiced by harlan williams right isn't the mm -hmm. um carl carl yeah carl yeah and so he he is aware of who lewis is from the beginning none of the others are in fact uh franny says to him we you know we you should stay here we can adopt you and he is very excited and then Wilbur takes off his hat and so everyone sees and they realize what he is and that he is Lewis from the past. And so they know they can adopt him. And uh, Wilbur is very, uh, I mean, Lewis is very upset. because It's like another, you know, rejection. Yeah. And he's very upset because Wilbur had told him that they were going to go back and he would be able to see his mom and uh, be able to find out why she did what she did and also in between all of this they have a meal and uh they end up getting interrupted by the bowler hat man and his pet dinosaur <laughs> they got from yeah, the future his, his pet in the past so, so one thing to mention about the with the bowler hat guy too i think rachel is that so he's wearing this bowler hat who who he his name is doris the hat name is doris and doris is a robotic cat that's evil <laughs> yes is the right is i don't know how else you would yeah. classify that rachel or how else would you describe it um, no i think but, that's right so anybody who puts the hat on like gets hypnotized to do bad things or that the, you know that he can be controlled the the per, you know whoever's wearing the hat so the baller hat guy puts the hat on the t-rex who then his mission you know is is kill lewis right so there's this big scene where the t-rex the is chasing lewis and it's scary but it also kind of it takes a comedic turn too uh, yeah yeah and uh, so uh, they, that's kind of fun and there's just a lot of creativity like i said they're just throwing a lot at you trying to get you to be excited and enjoy the film uh you know lewis tells the droid at first he's never going to he's never going to invent the the bowler hat droids he's never going to invent any of this stuff then everything will be fine but then uh lewis he finds that he has to fix the time machine in order because all the droids are are attacking him and so he kind of gets his uh in desperation he's able to hotwire it basically yeah and uh and then uh he tells wilbur that they need to adopt the polar hat man and you have this sweet kind of tender goodbye between uh lewis and he also gets to meet the future lewis and hear about all of his inventions and uh 
it's really sweet. It's really nice. And uh, he, he gets some encouragement and then he, and Lewis tells adult Lewis tells him the most, he's most proud of his brain scanner. And uh, so then uh, Wilbur takes him to see his mom. And this is probably the most moving part of the whole movie uh, when he gets right up close, you think he's going to touch her on the shoulder and he decides to not do it. And then he watches as the uh, Mildred, I guess, as she, as she takes him and he realizes that he already had, you know, a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's really sweet. And then you see uh, the bowler hat man uh, had, like I said, he'd gone and he had talked to Goob and he says, hold on to your resentment. And uh, so it's the opposite of uh, keep moving forward, basically. And, but Lewis is able to save the day because he's able to wake up Goob so that he catches the ball. Yeah. When, Lewis goes, <laughs> when Lewis goes back in time, he goes to the moment where, yeah, he helps, yeah. he helps Goob wake up and catch the ball. Yeah. And, yeah, and then he goes and tries the uh, scanner again. He tells him, well, can we just try it one more time? And he hooks up uh, Lucille to the scanner, and you see that it's their, it's her wedding to uh, to basically Grandpa Bud, who <laughs> becomes Grandpa Bud, and uh, and they end up adopting him, and so that's how it all kind of all kinds of works, and uh, it's it's just it's really it's really sweet, nice ending I think. The ending to me, Rachel, that's that's the, I cry in that is this ending every time I did the first time I see it, and and every subsequent viewing, that's I mean it's almost the most touching to me because. It's a, it's such a, it's such a satisfying conclusion to the story. And again, mm-hmm. you know, that's a bit messy and problematic, but then it just comes together in such a beautiful way. So it's set to this song by Rob Thomas or performed by Rob Thomas. It's Little Wonders is the name of it. It's really a nice song. And it's, it just is showing Lewis inventing and, and just the happy life that he now gets to create for himself. Um, but it's so hopeful. Mm-hmm. That's, the th- I th- that's the thing I really left with this particular viewing again, just thinking, you know, we, we get so down on, on our own, you know, perhaps on our own individual past or this, this, the challenges and, and the future look, future can be scary and, and bleak. Mm-hmm. But instead, this movie just makes it feel hopeful and like, you know, and, and encourages you you to you know be hopeful and and mm-hmm. go out and invent and do something positive yeah. and make a positive life for yourself and and then it shows that that full quote by Walt Disney yeah. where they pulled the keep moving forward from and then that's when mm-hmm. you know it's just right. awesome. yeah. <laughs> the waterworks yeah, start yes no yes you're absolutely right it, they have a, a final card that says around here however we don't look backwards for very long we keep moving forward opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths yeah so and and it's just it's extra inspiring when you realize that like they were literally doing that like this film was instrumental in not just being a nice movie it was instrumental in them literally as human beings in a in this create in this environment of picking up the pieces and and now i mean you just think of what's happened yeah since then it's really amazing i mean are, you could definitely make the argument that they have eclipsed Pixar and uh, you yeah. have such amazing successes 
like wreck it ralph like tangled like Tang- frozen frozen you know yeah zootopia moana you know yeah. i mean just i mean everything you know big hero six all these films yeah have been tremendous yeah yeah so it's really a great example of uh, of people picking things up and not giving up and having hope and i i really i really love it uh there's sort of a meta level i think to this movie that yeah. really makes it special i agree it makes it special and even though you know there's it really bogs down in that whole meet the robinson section you know that mm-hmm. i already whined about but still yeah. the ending is so satisfying that i just you know would encourage encourage people to stay on the train keep the movie we're playing you know don't, yeah. <laughs> don't quit don't fast forward or whatever because yeah. <laughs> the ending the ending makes it all worth it and it's really inspiring yeah i agree and i have it in my ranking at 31 so right okay. in the middle yeah right I, in the middle. yeah i have it just underneath uh or just before uh melody time at 32 and i have uh the uh, rescuers down under 30 so that's okay. where i have it in awesome. my most recent ranking yeah so there you go uh and i think that's a pretty i feel pretty good about that spot for oh uh, yeah time. for sure yeah so we actually don't have to do the random number generator this time because we are going to be talking next month about lion king yeah it's <laughs> time for the uh photorealistic the, the I photorealistic CGI version remake not uh, the live action because the there's that one country in africa you know where the lions talk where they filmed it <laughs> and where beyonce the lion lives <laughs> i know that was that was a real find for them <laughs> so that's going to be fun to to talk about lion king one of the most epic uh animated films of all time so i yeah. look forward to that me too and, uh, so let us if you're listening let us know what you think of meet the robinsons do you find it underrated uh, or is it too messy for you we'd love to hear your thoughts and uh yeah you can uh, comment in the comment section or let us know on twitter we would love to hear and uh so stanford where can people find you all right well uh i'm on twitter at stanford clark and i also have a movie blog and podcast which is moviespastandpresent.com mm-hmm. yeah it's really good you guys should definitely check it out and uh, yeah you can follow me rachel's reviews all of our social media on itunes and youtube and if you're listening on itunes if you can give us your ratings and reviews really appreciate it and if you're listening on youtube if you can give us thumbs up subscribe to the channel we really appreciate that as well also we have our patreon now uh that i'm doing in conjunction with the hallmarkies podcast and uh, but i have some really cool perks just for rachel's reviews listeners that you will enjoy you can request a family movie night uh with a certain tier you can have a request of a podcast that either Stanford or myself or one of my other co-hosts, depending on your choice, uh, will do. And so that's pretty cool. And uh, also you can, with a certain tier, you can get me to watch an entire season of a television show. And you know, I'm not that big of a television person. So that's pretty fun. And I will give you my thoughts. And so lots of cool perks for Rachel's Reviews listeners over at the Patreon. And it's only $2 a month for the basic level. Uh, and then $5 to be in our Facebook group, which uh, is talking about not just Hallmark, but lots of fun stuff. So 
I really appreciate it if you guys check that out. I'll have a link in the description. I also have an animation junkie uh, t-shirt and which is so cool, right? <laughs> which is on our merch store on T Public, and I'm I'm pretty proud of uh, proud of the shirts. And we also got a smile worthy and frown worthy. Yeah. Shirt. So lots Those of fun so stuff. So great! You've done such a nice job with everything. <laughs> Thank you. Well, kudos. <laughs> and so. Anyway, check all that out. I'd really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. This was great. And I'm really looking forward to talking about Lion King. Me too. Thanks so much, Rachel. All right. We will talk again soon. Bye. Bye.